Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to Felony Friday, which is a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, where each and every single Friday, I focus on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. Felony Friday is one of three shows that we have here on Lions of Liberty. We kick off every week on Monday with Mark Clare's flagship program, where he interviews leading minds in the liberty movement. He hosts roundtable discussions. This upcoming Monday, Christmas Day, we'll be releasing our Naughty or Nice episode, where we go through some of the biggest names in, in politics today, and we grade those people, and we give them a score based on their... Uh, Based on their actions throughout the year, we give them a uh, a grade of naughty or nice. It's a fabulous episode. It's a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun recording it. Hopefully, you guys enjoy listening to it also. And every Wednesday, of course, next Wednesday and every Wednesday, we'll have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And of course, with the holiday season in full swing right now, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are taking time off. And Lions of Liberty is not one of those podcasts. We will have our full schedule next week and the week after that. So have no fear, guys. We don't take any time off. We are here to serve our listeners, and we hope you enjoy the products that we're pumping out. This here on Felony Friday is the 103rd episode, so that means you'll be able to find the show notes page with links and notes to everything that I'm going to talk about with my guest today at lionsofliberty.com slash FF103. And just one more quick note. I want to tell you about today's sponsor before I get into my discussion with my guest today. This episode is sponsored by Health Excellence Plus. And Health Excellence Plus is an incredible, a great free market alternative to your standard corporate health insurance Health plans are in the news right now. People losing, uh, having to get rid of their health insurance plans, having to pay, having to pay higher premiums, having, having to pay more for their health insurance overall. Health Excellence Plus introduces health sharing and a great way to get more bang for your buck. You can learn more about this great, great opportunity at lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today on Felony Friday is Colin Krieger. Colin is a listener of this show. He's a member of our Lions of Liberty Pride, but that is not the reason why we're bringing him on the show today. Uh, A few weeks ago in our Facebook forum, I saw Colin talking about his past and his past experiences in the criminal justice system, and I asked him to come on the show to uh, to share his story, and he was uh, interested in doing so. So Colin has definitely made some mistakes in his life and he's going to tell you about the consequences and how he dealt with that today and how he how he really turned that around. Just just to give you a little brief overview of uh, of Colin's past. He was first kicked out of his university, uh, the criminology major that he was enrolled in there for getting caught with less than a gram of weed. And after that, he was then eventually kicked out of that university uh, for fighting and resisting arrest. And then it snowballed from there. Uh, started selling drugs, using drugs, and eventually uh, culminated in an incident with police, which resulted in uh, aggravated assault charges, counts of reckless endangerment, simple assault, and ultimately he was sentenced to uh, nine months to three years in prison. After getting out, got in uh, trouble with the law again, was trying to recover a debt, and uh, got arrested there charged, convicted, spent two years and nine months in a uh, level four max security prison. So we'll talk about, we'll dig into all these incidents and Colin will give you all the details and background on what exactly happened and why it's important for uh, everyone to understand that this stuff happens more often than you'll think. So Colin, thank you for coming on Felony Friday. Thanks for having me, John. Good to be here. Good to have you here and 
Uh, last week's episode of Felony Friday, um, I had on Aaron David Seidel. And Aaron was a guy who spent, I think, five years in prison. He had some extenuating circumstances, but he spent five years in prison for attempted murder of his uh, of his stepfather. And most of the people I've interviewed up until this point on Felony Friday, they've been nonviolent offenders, uh, you know, victims of the of the war on drugs. But Aaron and yourself, I think, unless I'm forgetting somebody, might be forgetting one person, are really the, the first two I've had on who who had some violent offenses. And I, I think it's it's very important to talk about it because you know people like yourself spent time in prison, you did your time, and you're back in society. And it's important for people to understand that it's possible to come out and be reformed and be a contributing member of society. So, you know, I wanted to start out today just talking about getting into the beginning of your story, and we'll just you know walk walk through it, I guess, as as the time goes. So, you started out at Slippery Rock University, right? And um, how, how did it go down? What happened when you when you got caught with this gram of weed? Well, basically, up until that point in my life, I mean, I was the only thing I had ever done. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. I was very active with uh, the volunteer fire company. So I didn't want to like, I don't know, I had a thing where if I drank, you can't go on calls. So I didn't drink, didn't do anything. I, I messed around with weed a bit, went to college. <clears throat> when I got there, when did we enroll? We started, I think it was like August 21st. And this was September 11th. Me and my uh, roommate, we decided to smoke a bowl in the dorm. Not the smartest idea, but it is what it is. Uh, and the floor, I guess it was the RA or the, you know, the floor, I guess, worker. I don't know. She smelled it, caught us, cops came. I had literally a bud probably the size of my thumbnail, I would say. And this guy, he's threatening to bring the dogs. He says, where's the rest of it at? I mean, he, he was aggressive, campus cop, typical thing. So that, that was that. So I was there three weeks and they, uh, I was there of criminology. I was going to go for two years, come out, try to get into the uh, state police academy. And this was I, when, 2007? Yeah, 2007. Fall 2007. So, I mean, I got there. I had my whole life planned out. I mean, I thought I had everything figured out. I didn't realize that uh, that small amount of meat, small amount of weed would uh, impact me the way it did, I guess. Because once I got kicked out of the program, I had, I mean, I didn't even know what I was doing there at that point. So I pledged to fraternity and... We were underground, and it was fun. And that then I discovered, you know, cocaine amongst other things, and that led to me getting kicked out. Eventually, I got put on ARD for the weed. It was my first time ever being in trouble. I had one year ARD for the weed, and it was March. Got blacked out at the house. Came back to campus. My roommate and I got into a little fight. One thing leads to another. I'm breaking glass out of the dorm. I'm throwing a fire extinguisher down the hall. I go outside. I call my mother and tell her I'm in trouble. This is like four in the morning. I'm blacked out. I'm 18. I don't know what's going on. Call my mother and tell her I'm in trouble. Don't really recall much after that. Woke up in the uh, Butler City like detention center, Butler City prison there. And that was that. That was the end of my college career. <laughs> to sum it all up quickly. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just to put things in perspective, you know, I, I went to college, went to college at Penn State, and I mean, the stuff you're describing doing, um, what, you had a fire extinguisher thrown around, you broke a window. Mm -hmm. I, I would see, I was in a fraternity. As well. <laughs> I, I would see stuff like that happen all, all the time. I mean, that was, I mean, that's not like a really outlandish thing, and um, I guess you got in a fight too, or something like that. Yeah, my my roommate and I, you know, we were we were good friends. We were at the same party. He just got back before me and was just as drunk as I was. And I happened to disturb him coming into the room. So, you know, we were just drunk, beating the shit out of each other, really. And the uh, people next door didn't like that. They called the cops. It was, and then I just I was I was out of my mind. I mean, I tend when I drink liquor, I get pretty. Uh, pretty violent so i i just started to break shit <laughs> went outside and I, I i'm told i didn't i don't remember doing this but that i uh tried to es escape the cop car on the way to the police barracks i don't know anything about that that's just what i was told from the campus hearing so it was quite the night all right so you get uh you get kicked out of 
at a Slippery Rock University. And what happens next? You, you find yourself getting tied up and taking drugs and selling drugs? I, you know, I'm a small town guy. My town has 300. The town I grew up in is 300 people. I mean, it's two streets. So I wasn't very, I guess, cultured. So I get down there and I meet, you know, I meet some of the city guys, the Pittsburgh guys. And they, uh, they introduced me to cocaine. And I realized that there is money to be made there. You know, if you have from the city to the country, and the, I mean, it was just that's why people do it. I mean, you just <laughs> it's just hard not to. And you come from no money, and there's that much money that they're like, Here, you can make this in you know a day. You're like, No way. Well, then you do it, and it's like, Yep, that's what I'm going to do. But then I started using more than I was moving, and that was a problem. <laughs> yeah, so how, how long were you uh, how long were you selling for then? I mean, I, that's really all I did. I mean, when I, I, I mean, I started a little bit with weed in high school, but I worked at a gas station long enough to afford my first ounce. And then that's really all I did. I mean, and I, like I said, discovered the harder stuff in school, but up until I got right up until what, 2011, I guess it would have been, yeah, when I got in trouble, 2011. So that's all I did. I mean, I didn't work at all. I supported my habit by, you know selling or you know scheming and fantasizing that's what you do so did, did people like when people asked you questions about what you did how, how would you answer them oh i mean i just i mean it i said that i was mowing grass or if i was doing side work or i mean for a while because i was living with my mom for a while i would uh, just say i was going to work and just disappear throughout the day and then you know come come home later <laughs> Just, you know, people, I mean, my family, like there's never been someone in my family who's ever been prior to me was ever in any kind of drugs, trouble, anything at all, really, you know, so they didn't even know how to deal with it. They were so naive to it that, you know, and I'm sure they were in denial. They didn't want to think that I was, I was was a regular kid in high school, you know, fire company, football, baseball, the whole deal, but. And they just let it go on. Enabled the shit out of me. Paid all my, my mom paid my bills. I didn't even know how to pay a bill until I got out of prison. I didn't even know what a bill was. Did your Did your mom have any idea that, that you were selling drugs or using drugs? I mean, towards the end, it started like I deteriorated. Like at first, I guess you could say I was a functioning addict. I suppose I didn't look the I didn't look the part. As time went on, like, and as, you know, now I'm more open with her about it and we talk about everything. She, I mean, she, she basically told me that she felt like she was a prisoner in my own, in her home. She was afraid to, afraid to approach me about it, afraid to say anything. She didn't know what the hell I would do. That was a little nuts. I mean, I was, you know, I was, it's weird, like to, like whenever I was going through all my programs and stuff, that's a whole other bit over programmed to death. But, you know, I felt like you feel like you're, I mean, if you're coming from being an addict that you're you're doing these programs for another person. Like it's like, I felt like it was, I was, I was sitting in for someone else almost. It was really weird. So take us through what happened uh, with this incident where cops show up at your house and everything spirals out of control. Just to fix the the beginning of the intro there. Um, my, the incident in which I was, uh, I went to recover the, the money actually happened prior to the the uh, gun incident at my house with the oh, cops. Okay. So it was I got sentenced. It's a re- it was really weird. The the night that I I got in my big trouble. I mean I'd been in I'd gone into the county jail. I did five weekends one time. I mean I was walk going in, checking in on a Friday at six p.m. and checking out on Sunday at six p.m. I mean I'd been in and out of my county jail, but I'd never really been punished for anything that I had done. I suppose, ever in my life, but that's a that's another thing I'm rambling. But <laughs> not not really. I mean, you did lose. You you lost your opportunity to to go to college, right? I mean, that's. I mean, yeah, I did. I, I did. Yes, I definitely, I definitely did. And I think that, like I said, I, I'm still on a personal path of self discovery to figure out why I did what I did. But <laughs> I have no idea. So the uh, so the first incident was was going to get going going to uh, recover some some money. So what happened? Yeah, there? I was going to get. I was this someone owed me some money. I was going to 
this this girl I was with at the time, her and I, we were together for years. It was terrible. We met at Slippery Rock. I mean, we were we grew up two town a town apart, but we didn't meet till we went to school, and then it was just that was bad. So she was like my like my sidekick through all this. So we go to these older people, and they owe us some money. I just we went to retrieve it, kick the door in, gun, et cetera, et cetera. Put it in their put it in their face, put them on the ground, try to get everything they had for to, to compensate for what we were owed. Well, they called the cops, and I had left some evidence there, and that was that. Six months later, when I was in the county jail for the standoff with the police, I got video arranged for that, and they tacked on. So let's let, let's go days. back, but before we get into <laughs> the standoff with the police, let's go back to the to busting down this this couple's this these, these people's door that owed you money. Were, were mm-hmm. you like when you when you were going through that? Were you, I mean, were you? Were you thinking about like what you were doing at all, or was it just just actions? You weren't even. Were you scared? I mean, I mean, at that point, I'd gotten I'd gotten wrapped up. I mean, which I, like I said I'm, I'm bypassing a bunch of time. I gotten wrapped up in the basalts. It's right when basalts came out. I don't know if you remember when those were all the rage. I mean, I was going to. I don't know if you remember Jamaica Junction there downtown, but you could walk right in there and whoop, right over the counter buy your meth and, and roll yeah, out. Down, and it, downtown in uh, State College, right? You're talking about. Yeah. 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 Yep. But, uh, so I discovered that. And I mean, that's when I really got crazy, crazy, like into my, like, like, then I, I, I mean, I called the woman, I said, Hey, you know, it was her and her husband. I only had her number. She was a really good friend, but you know, drugs make you do weird things. And I, and I said, Hey, I, you know, you owe me the X amount of dollars. I'm coming to get it one way or the other. And I went and, and we, and I, so I like, I, I don't know when I was on, when I'm, when I do drugs, I like black out for a little bit of time and do weird shit. And then I'll like snap out of it. Like in the middle of that, I like snapped out because I have a conscience in me somewhere. And it says, you know, hey, you're, you're fucking up. And it comes through and then I quit what I'm doing. But by then it's too late. So I go home. She calls the police. Her husband's calling me. He's going to he's threatening to come. Like I said, I'm living at my mom's. I'm huddling there. But nothing happened that night. Cop came, spotlighted the house. I hid. And then, like I said, I didn't hear anything for several months after that. Turns out that that one, that the woman who was involved there, uh, she actually got me my first job when I got released from prison. Oh, wow. Working with her. Yeah, I mean, because I, like I said, I, I did a lot of shitty stuff on drugs, but I'm really not a shitty person, I guess. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to explain, but. So how how much time did you spend in prison during that first stint? Did I have it right? Was it two years and nine months? That, that, it was all one. It was all one thing. Like those, it's 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 hard to. It really sounds crazy. Even the judge at my sentencing didn't understand what the hell was going on. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did that in May, May of 2011, September of 2011. I have the standoff. No charges. I had gotten no charges between May and September for the, okay. the uh, money retrieval thing. So then time goes by, ripping and running, still on basalts. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm a zombie at that point. Those things make you go, I mean, you just, I'd, I'd done every drug in the book to excess and nothing made me lose my mind like basalts did. And I think they still have a, are having a long-term effect on me, but they don't do, know uh, what the long-term effect is. I mean, when you take basalts, yeah. do you remember anything or is it just a blackout? Oh, yeah. No, I remember. I mean, you remember. I mean... I, I, could, I mean, just some of the stuff I, I, I climbed onto my mom's garage. Like I said, this is, I think, stemming from my fire department stuff. But I always would think everything was on fire when I was on basalt. So I thought the garage is on fire. So I went up there with a saw and was cutting holes in the roof trying to find where the fire was in my mom's garage in the middle of town, broad daylight. I mean, just doing it. Wow. <laughs> just because that was, you're so in a whole, I mean, it's just a whole new reality that you're in. You're not even... It's it's really crazy <laughs> what they do to you. I mean, I lost. I'm six foot one, and I regularly weigh like I don't know between like one nice flush weight, one ninety to one seventy five. We'll say when I got locked up at the end of that, I weighed one hundred and twelve pounds. Holy crap! I mean, I was yeah, I was basically just walking around dead, essentially, mentally and physically. So, at just to just to walk through, so the timeline. First, first is the uh, you know knocking down these these people's door to get the money, no charges yes. for that yet. Then you have this you're taking bath salts and um, tweaking out. 
So what happens <laughs> during the standoff with police exactly? Well, like I said, we're I'm still all still living at my mom's house with this girl, and her and I get in. I mean, we've been up for days. Just I mean, I I don't know. We've been up for the better part of a week, and we decided that we were going to come down. So we take some Xanax. Well, I don't. I mean, I wasn't a heavy benzo user, so I mean that like really blacked me out. I guess we get in an argument. We get in an argument. And I kick her out. Well, she calls her. She was living with her, I mean, with me and her grandparents at the time, calls her grandparents, and they come. And the grandfather was a retired county jail guard, so he was on on that type of shit when he got there, on his, you know, authoritarian, he's the boss stuff. And I said, hey, man, I just, I asked them to leave. Well, they didn't leave, so I had this, my trusty, uh... <laughs> nine millimeter high point that I wanted a gun raffle and I went up and got it and I just came outside and I said, leave or I'm going to shoot you. And they didn't leave. So I shot it in the air and then they left and called the police and I knew they were calling the police. So my mom was still inside at this point. So I go, I go back inside, get an extra clip, get some boxes of shells, go wake my mom up because for some reason she's still asleep through this, wake her up and say, you know, tell her, I said, I have a gun. The cops are coming, take the dog and get out. So she does. So my plan is at this point that I'm just going to let the cops kill me. Like, this is my rock bottom. This is the bottom. This is the bottom. <laughs> and I, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to shoot out these cops and let them, let them take me out. It is what it is. And then one thing leads to another. I'm in my house. They show up, three of them. I'm on the second floor looking out the window. They're behind these big oak trees in my town. So like I said, it's country. They're out behind him, and they're telling me to come down and talk to him. Oh, come down. It's not that bad. Just come down and talk to us. I said, that's not, you know. I said, that's what they all say. I'm not coming out. Fuck you. Come in and get me. Close the blind. Well, then for some reason, I get, I walk out of this room into the other side of the house, and I shot the gun twice, just straight up into the ceiling. Boom, boom. Well, when I did that, again, it, like, brought me back into reality, and I realized, what the fuck? So I lit a cigarette and walked outside, and thank God they didn't shoot me. And they flipped me over, and that was that. Wow, that's that's an intense story, man. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I, you know, and it's like I, I said in in our message. I'm not. It's if anything, I was. I got. I got very, very, very lucky. Like when I went, when I got to Forest, you know, was talking to some of these guys of all races, all backgrounds in there. You know, I get along with everyone, and they, you know, they said, you know. You're lucky, young, and if you were in a city, they'd have put you down. As soon as you open that door, they'd have put you down. He said, well, <laughs> you're lucky. So for all the faults that the police have in my town, they're not, they're not trigger-happy, thank God. Yeah, they're definitely lucky there. I know many of you are facing major decisions with your health care right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own health care and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see, what procedures you need or don't need, up to some corporate bureaucrat. Along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. So what what charges? You got charged with three counts aggravated assault, seven counts reckless endangerment, simple assault. And then like some other, I don't, you know, they tacked on, they tack on everything they can tack on. I mean, and then you you uh, did a plea plea deal with them. Yeah, my God lover, my grandmother got me a lawyer, <clears throat> just a town lawyer. And basically, in my town, it's so small that if you get a lawyer, period, you're going to get some kind of good deal because they don't they don't like the fights ever. I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time the DA in the county took someone to trial, but so we threatened them with trial because the bullets that I shot into the city, like the when I fired a gun, 
was in the second floor, went up through the ceiling, but they never exited the roof of the house. They essentially went into the attic and just ping-ponged around. It was cheap 9mm, you know, it was a piece of shit gun. Ping-ponged around in the attic, so they never actually left the house. And I guess you could say, I don't know, this is lawyer, this is worse, and put them in danger. So we were going to take it to trial, the aggravated assault, based on that. So my first plea they offered me, they offered to drop all three of the aggravated assaults right from the rip to a possession of a prohibited offensive weapon because the gun I had was a carbine rifle and I had a like a nine inch like ear knife, buck knife. <clears throat> Just like rigged onto the end of the barrel like a bayonet, apparently. I mean, that's not allowed. I don't know. But so I got nine months. Nine months to three years for that, because that's what my county does. I mean, my county sends people upstate for 30 days to two years. So you essentially get, by the time you get through, you get to Camp Hill to get classified and you're already seeing a parole board. That's like, that's, I mean, that's a huge clusterfuck in this state. It's, it's ridiculous, especially my, I mean, Clearfield County, nuts. 30 days to two years. I mean, what the hell is that? In the state prison? 30 days to two years? Yes, because if you get anything in that county, if you get anything that's over, so if you get a county sentence, it, it would say, you know, 30 days to two years less one day. That's a county sentence. Now, if it says, it'll, then if you get a state bid, I mean, I've seen them at all. Like I said, mine was nine months, nine months to three years. Center County then, for the, when I went to get my money, they gave me five days to two years consecutive with my state sentence on top of it. So it tacked on basically turned my sentence nine months, five days to five years in total. Okay. And, and you ended up serving how long? Two years, nine months. Okay. And was that entire time? Were you at the same prison or did they move you around? Well, in PA, I mean, I started at the county, you know, the county jail. And then it is weird. If you're like if Clearfield County, where I was, your first stop is Western in Pittsburgh. They take you down there. Why I'm not sure, but take you there, and then they quarantine you. You're you're you go through solitary no matter what. If you're going through the state system in PA, you're in solitary confinement for however long they feel like. I mean, it could be three days. I see some people in there for three days. I was personally in there for five days. You're just locked in the medical wing in a room by yourself, hanging out, with the light on all day, night, fucking waiting, waiting to get put on the block. I mean, you ate. They fed us well. I'll give them that. Pittsburgh fed us well. But then you go there. You go from there, then they take you across the state, Harrisburg, to Camp Hill, and you sit in there for at least 60 days, and they classify you. That's where they decide what programs you're going to have to take to make parole, what your custody level is going to be, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's not, it's not personalized at all. Anybody, I mean, it's, it's just a farm. They're just running you through there. They ask you simple questions, check which box applies, and that's how you get classified. I mean, my crime I, was violent, but I mean, I was classified as the highest custody level in OVR three, high ten, high violence, high, what was it? High violent, high probability to reoffend. So, so what, what did that get you? Were, like the prison population you were in was pretty, pretty rough, I would assume. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I went to when I got up to I went to SCI Forest, which is a level four. I mean, it's way up and it was actually relatively close to my hometown, an hour and twenty minutes, but. It's up, I don't know if you know, where, you know where Dubois is. It's like an hour and a half north of Pittsburgh in Forest County, SCI Forest. It's in the middle of the woods. I think it's, there's, there was probably, I think, 2,200 guys in there, I would say. I mean, most doing, I mean, you know, 20 to 40s life. I mean, there wasn't too many people that were in there with a nine-month minimum. And then you're walking a fucking, it's such a balancing act when you're in there because you want to make parole, but you can't be a pussy. So the razor that you're standing on to not get fucking hemmed up so you get a parole hit but not look like a bitch so you get taken by everybody in there is so fine that it's I mean it's 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 nuts. It's just nuts. The prison guards are they're writing you up at the drop of a hat, but it, I mean up it depends because there because like I said that was a higher higher custody level, like little or shit they didn't really care about there. As long as basically as long as you weren't running around with I mean you weren't blatantly fighting in the middle of a, you know, compound or killing each other. It really didn't have a problem. I mean, cause that, that, cause that shit was going on all the time. Hell, when I was leaving all the, all the officers had to get escorted around 
by the uh, regular CO staff because they were the, one of the gangs that threatened them because they were short in our afternoon yard period. That's what they do in there. They jerk you around. And then the inmates, I mean, at least where I was at, because like I said, those guys, a lot of those guys, that's their home. They're not leaving there ever. So when these guards come in and try to start jerking your rack around, you know, just because they feel like it, then they get hurt. And that's, <laughs> and you see that stuff like me, you know, I came from this small ass town. I thought it was hard, but you don't know how hard it is. I mean, you get in there with people who are vicious and you realize, holy shit. <laughs> My first day on the block at Forest, I mean, my very first day, I was on there. They cracked the gates for Mainline at night. <clears throat> and Duke comes out of a cell and just absolutely beats, beats the living shit out of the CO on the block. I mean, I was in on the block for one hour. I was there. I said, well, I guess this is prison. Cause that didn't happen in Clearfield County. And I mean, nothing like that ever happened there. So, how, I mean, he just, there was just nobody there to stop it? I mean, or? I mean, they, I mean they come running, you know. It's, it's, it's I mean, they're coming from all over the place. Dudes are out of shape. Most of them are drunks, you know, and it yeah. takes them a while to get there. They can't, they can't keep up. They're, they're dealing with dudes who have nothing to do but get healthy and get big. <laughs> they really don't, they don't stand a chance. It's, I mean, it's, it's really something. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, what he did, I mean, like I said, when I was there, that, did, that stuff didn't happen just because. Like, a lot of the times it was a, the newer COs would come in and that's how they would get there. Their attitudes adjusted, so they knew what, how to be when they were there. Because, you know, you get these guys, they come in off the street, and they've never had any power. They've probably picked on in school, never been in a fight, don't know shit about anything. They come in there and start throwing their power around, trying to do that extra shit. You know, they're trying to write you up because you're taking two extra slices of bread from the chow hall to go make yourself a, sand, a peanut butter sandwich at night. And if they write, you know, <laughs> this yeah. dickhead wants second day in the job wants to write you up for that, and you're doing 40 years, you're not standing for that shit. Yeah. I mean, it's got the, it's a whole new world and it woke me up fast. <laughs> so, so you're in there and I mean, did you think that you were going to serve the, the full five years or did you have an idea that you'd be able to get out earlier from the start? Hell no. I thought I was getting out in nine months. Why'd you think that? My lawyer, that's my fucking lawyer told me. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was he basing that on? Well, and I got time served. So I had sat in the county for six months. So when I got up there, I was already getting pre-parole paperwork at Camp Hill. I hadn't even been classified yet, and they were already getting me through the parole system. I said, oh, hell yeah. You know, I'm going to be in and out of this motherfucker. Well, <laughs> I go see parole the first time. Now, that's a stressful thing because it's, like, it's not Shawshank Redemption. You don't, you don't walk in there and, you know, they make their decision right then. You, you fuck, they put you in a call out, so you wait all night. You go up. First, you see pre-parole, which is like the institutional agent. And then based on your custody level, you see one person, two people, two people, and one person on a video. But you go, <clears throat> you see them, they ask you all these crazy-ass questions, you answer them the best you can, you try to form, you know, this is my first time doing it, I didn't know shit, I just walked in there thinking, yeah, they'll let me go. <clears throat> well, I waited 12 weeks, 12 weeks for a response. Finally, they call me up there, get my reply, one year, they deny my parole for a year. So then at that point, I realized, all right, I guess I'm doing some time. So I just dug in, started getting, you know, I got, you know, falling in, got in where I fit in. I got so real involved were there with any, the, I mean, the drug and alcohol department in there. What, what, what got you through your time in prison? I mean, were there people that, you know, were there, you know, older guys in prison that you're, you know, you're kind of talk to and they'll give you advice or any of that? Or was it yeah. every man from himself? Oh, yeah, or? that's. I mean, no, it's, I mean, it is, at the end of the day, it's every man for himself and there, no matter what, no matter who you think is your friend, somebody will always get over on you, you know, fuck, but there's dudes will give you the best advice. You know, you don't ever take anything from anybody. It's the first thing I learned in there. Don't ever go into debt for anything. You know, don't have, don't even take a fucking, don't take a buckhorn, a rolled cigarette, a cut, you know, just nothing from anyone. Cause they're trying to, they're trying to get something back from you, whether they take it and, you know, they take it out of your ass, they take it in blood, whatever. <laughs> that's what they do like that's it, it's a you can see it and then after i was there you'd see it i'd see these people these kids coming in young you know and you'd watch them they're out in the yard and these old heads are just you know they're, they're you can get ice cream there they give you ice cream tickets you can buy in commissary and they're giving them ice cream tickets these kids are taking them you know well that's not shit, shit ain't free so that's what they, i learned i met a good dude two good dudes one dude was doing life other dude was doing like 30 years but they just and they said just stay in your lane you'll be all right keep your head up Walk with your head up. Don't walk around there like you're ready for the take. 
Because you get tried. They'll try you. People think they can get something from you for free without a fight. They don't want to work for anything in there. So you got to show them they'll have to work for it. They might beat the fuck out of you, but if they have to work, they're not coming back. Right. Well, so... I went into a therapeutic... Sorry, a therapeutic community program. I mean, and that's... This is getting back to what got me through. In there, I mean, it's a whole separate... It's almost like a a prison within a prison. It has its own set of rules. And in there, and if you've ever even, if you've been convicted of a DUI, I mean, even if you were convicted of distributing drugs, you might have never even used a drug in your life ever. You might have just sold one or been caught one time. You're doing therapeutic community, which is at least four months, 62 people, own set of roles, and you have to complete it to make parole unless you want to max out. But you go in there and it's essentially just this crazy ass rehab within the prison it's called what is it uh, cbt cognitive behavioral therapy you know you learn thinking errors and stuff but you have to police each other they have a pull up and push up system so you essentially you have a quota each week where you have to tell on each other for shit and i mean people got stabbed over that in there because if you if you don't make your quota in pulling someone up you're not going to make the program well if you pull someone up and it's severe enough and they get kicked out and just lost their parole because of that. Well, what the, what the fuck are they going to do to you? You just, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But through that, I got into the drug and alcohol department. I became a peer, a, a peer assistant. And I was facilitating the, uh, the NA, the AA meetings, uh, smart meetings, self-management recovery training, stuff like that. I got involved with that. And that's just basically how I got into recovery and actually wanting to be clean and not, and just seeing the shit that I saw in there, I just it just wasn't for me. I just don't. It's not something that I want to be a part of. Right. And I, I want to talk a little bit about you know once you got out of prison because obviously you're you're a libertarian now. I mean you're yes. member of the Alliance of Liberty Pride. You you listen to listen to this podcast, so it's obvious that you're that you're a libertarian. I, I just wanted. I was wondering how you know at, at what point in time did you get exposed to to these ideas. I mean, I've always been, I mean, interested in it. I came, I came from the conspiracy background, the Alex Jones, you know, the Illuminati documentaries at 3 a.m. on basalts, you know, was really what got me into it when I was spending days awake on YouTube. Don't try and that I came home, there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not the best way to get in. But, I mean, that's not how I got in. But that led me to Alex Jones. And then just through that and different random YouTube links, I found Jason Stapleton's program and then just – started searching libertarian podcast, which I found his and then I found you guys and I support you guys and listen and just it came from there because it gives you it gives you the will to 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 push yourself. I mean you know when you go through these all these recovery programs they force you to go into. I mean even when you get paroled, like I got paroled to the renewal center in Pittsburgh for two months and I had to go back through a drug rehab program and a violence prevention program and it's they're all the same they're generic they're not giving you any tools you know to to succeed it's just these broad generic programs that that they get money for these you know the renewal center receives money from the state so they it's just everybody scratching each other's back it does nothing for you well for me libertarianism helped i don't know how i don't know how to word it correctly like i've I've been thinking about it all day and i still (laughs) have the right way to word it but it just gives me the will to like push forward and it's an accepting group. It's an accepting world. I mean, the society shuns people like me. I mean, especially in my small town, I, I can't do shit. Hell, you're just a criminal. Once you've been in trouble, you're a criminal around here forever. You're marked. It's too small of an area. Even state college, you know, even with the, you know, you're just, it's just, it's too small of an area. So it's an accept libertarianism is, is an accepting community for people who've been in trouble and it gives you, different tools and it just occupies that space in your brain that you'd that i mean for me personally i mean i can only speak for myself but that i personally had filled with drugs and violence and you know random sex and just all the things that come along with that life i filled that with learning about you know even now i'm still young and it was learning philosophy i mean learning the markets learning how to save money learning how to make you know start businesses learning how to you know What's uh, statements? Increase your human capital, stuff like you know. They don't teach you that shit. They don't teach you that at all. They don't teach you anything about how to manage your life in there. They just 
Like I said, it's broad, generic, whereas libertarianism gives you the the drive to just just go. I mean, it, it just opens it up. It's like, yeah, you can do it. You know, regardless of your past, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, I think for for people who you know rag on libertarians for saying you know people libertarians are for people controlling their own body and and they can do all the drugs they want and they can they can do this or do that they can be prostitutes that's sure yeah that's one side of it but just like you're pointing out here the other side is when you own your own body when you own your own life um i mean that's a responsibility it's exactly. up to you to to take care of that and and make the most of it so the 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 other side of the coin is what uh, you know society the Democrats and Republicans, when they talk about libertarians, they don't talk about that side. They, they don't talk about the, you know, the self-actualization side of, uh, of the ideas of liberty, which I think, of, as, you, as you've pointed out, and we probably don't talk about enough, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest appeals, really. I mean, it, it really is, because you can sit around all day on your ass and wait for, wait for the state to help you out with their programs and what, you know, the, how they, I mean... Just as little as they don't even teach you how to get get a house. They don't teach you how to make yourself worth anything in the you know in the in the job field. Like when you come out of prison, you regardless of whether you're there because like me, I put myself there, or whether you're wrongfully convicted. At the end of the day, you were there. Now you have you have to you know unfortunately deal with it. And you can't sit around. And things aren't going to be handed to you. And just. Like I said, libertarianism leads you into so many different philosophies, and just the people that are in that space in general, and the ideas that they provide, and the, you know, whether it be business, finance, you know, anything like that, it's just so much. It's just worth so much more than than you know. Oh well, here go to the you know go to CareerLink where they're not going to do anything for you. They're going to place you in some job that has no you can't you know there's no room to do anything. Whereas I listen to I listen to podcasts, you know, and you guys are you're plugging and you're advertising, you have Skillshare, just different things and different ways that I can, you know, make myself more employable, which is what I did. And I'm, you know, I got hooked up. I'm I'm in the I do landscaping now, which is a big business in State College, mm-hmm. and I got hooked up with a guy, who I'm essentially apprenticing for him, and I'm going to be, you know. The goal is that I'm going to be taking the business, and it's well-established, so here I am. I mean, I got out. I went to a tech school. I pushed myself. I started at McDonald's in Pittsburgh on Wooden Liberty right across from the Steve P station. Oh, the first job out of prison. Wasn't people into the bathroom because they go in there and die. So I, but, yeah, started there, and then you just work your way up. You know, when you get out, it's a hard climb. It's, a hard, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not easy at all. And you just have to you work and you take the next best thing. You know, you start at seven twenty five an hour and you get a little experience in that and then you can get to eight and then you can get to nine and then you go to you know, you get yourself well established enough and you know, re- established enough in your recovery. And like me, I went to tech school. I went to qu- tech school for heavy equipment operation and he got me hired with this guy and I'm learning he's teaching me the business side of things as well as, you know, the various podcasts I listen to teach me a lot of stuff and and that's that. I mean, I'm I've been sober since what 2011, I guess. Yeah, 2011. Well, that's that's yeah. awesome, man. And like I said at the beginning, you know, we, uh, pretty much most of the stories on Felony Friday have been nonviolent offenders, uh, people selling drugs for for, for the most part. Um, but it's it's equally important to bring on people like yourself who have made mistakes, acknowledge that you've made mistakes, broken the law, you've. You've hurt people, but you did your time. You're back in society. You've taken responsibility, and you're—I mean—you're improving yourself with the hopes of—and you already are contributing to society. But with the hopes of eventually owning your own business, I mean, that's that's awesome. That's—I mean—that's that's what it's all about. And the reason I'm, I wanted to to bring you on the show was because people need to hear stories like this. So, you know, if you're listening to this and this is the first time you've heard a story like this on a podcast. Share this, share this with your, uh, with your friends, with your networks. Stories, stories like this need to get out there because people see the felon label or, you know, a criminal past and they, they judge people just by those, you know, certain circumstances in their life. But often, like you've pointed out, Colin, I mean, there, there's a lot more to the story. Sometimes people just for reasons that maybe, You'll never understand. Get pushed down a certain path, and 
you know, it's, once you go down that path, you can come back and you can get back on the right track. And you're you're evidence of that. So thank you for coming on the show and uh, and taking the time to to talk about this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I hope it, <laughs> hope it went all right. Definitely. Uh, I definitely appreciate it. And if, if anybody out there listens to this, I mean, feel free, if, you have, if you're struggling with addiction or anything like that, I'll talk to you. Man, add me on Facebook. I'll talk to you if you're struggling with anything. I just had a guy just yesterday, two mornings ago, I woke up. One of my best friends and I was in forest, man. He, you know, and everybody says, oh, I'll keep in touch with you. I'll keep in touch with you. But they don't. Well, he did. He got out and he kept in touch with me. Well, he's dead now. He killed himself. Because Jeez. people get out and they have nowhere to go. They have no one to turn to, nothing to do. I was fortunate enough to have a great family. You know, now I have a great, uh, with a wonderful girlfriend, Erica. She supports me in every way possible. My dog, wherever she's at, she's great. But I mean, just reach, you know, reach out, reach out to the people because people are struggling. And I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, so what, what's the best way? Do, do you want me to put your put your Facebook in the show notes? Anything else you want me to, to link to? I mean, I mean, I don't. You can put my yeah. Go ahead and put my Facebook on there. Like I said, I'm always willing to talk to anybody. I'll talk to anybody about anything. I have a lot of different like different ways. I mean, if you're, like I said I have a lot of different experiences and a lot of getting through the system and just different ways to get yourself back on your feet. I mean, it's it's hard and it's a struggle. And ultimately, it comes down to you. No one else is going to do it for you. And you have to be strong and you have to put your mind to it and and push. And nothing's going to help you. Did <laughs> nobody's going to? The system is not going to help you. So you have to help yourself. So reach out to me. I mean, if you're struggling, you need to talk. I'll talk to you. And yeah, support your local volunteer fire company. If that's that's about as libertarian as it can get. I never hear that talked about, which is really strange. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my plug. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me, dude. Take care. What a great interview. What a, uh, you know, what a story Colin Krieger had to share today. And I'm really happy that I got to know Colin and, uh, you know, he shared his story in our Alliance of Liberty forum and I was able to see that. I'm happy to have, you know, all of us here at Alliance of Liberty are happy to have Colin's support in the Alliance of Liberty pride and to see a guy like Colin, everything that he's been through up until this point, and I think it really speaks a lot to his character, how he has such a positive outlook now, and how he's he's pushing forward, man. And he realizes one of the things that's helped him is personal responsibility and leading to that personal re- responsibility, that self-actualization, leading him into that was libertarian principles. So I think that's fantastic. And that is definitely something that as libertarians, we need to stress more as a positive aspect of our philosophy because that's absolutely what it is i mean like i said during the interview people knock libertarians for being open to people abusing drugs or you know abusing whatever abusing their bodies but at the end of the day sure people can do that but i mean that's not what i personally want for people to do and i don't think other libertarians want that either we want people to take ownership of their own lives to be held accountable and to be able to use the tools of the free market to help them if, if they fall into a uh, fall into an addiction or, or something like that, to help to steer them back on the right path. So I think there's a great opportunity in the ideas of liberty to help people who have been through similar situations uh, as Colin has been through. So that's really the only piece I have to say on the interview. I do want to say, <clears throat> first of all, Merry Christmas out there to everyone listening. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to this before Christmas or after. You know, sometimes these things, uh, pe- people listen to podcasts later. But this is you know, obviously published the Friday before Christmas. So I want to tell you about, we have a Christmas bonus, a uh, a special a special opportunity for people to join the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can join the Lions of Liberty Pride by going to lionsofliberty.com slash support. The reason why you want to join the Pride right now, is we're giving extra bonus gifts. We are giving you the the goodies, the free goodies, from the level above where you join. So at the $5 level, normally you would get just access to all... I say just access. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great deal. $5 access to all of our exclusive bonus content that we publish. But in addition to that, we're going to give you the $10 level stuff. If you join... On Christmas Day or on the 26th, this expires at 11.59 59 
on December 26th. So at that $5 level, you're now going to get a t-shirt and a koozie. $5 per month, and you're getting all the bonus content and a free t-shirt and a koozie. You pick the t-shirt, all that stuff, you let us know. If you want to join at $10, you get two free t-shirts and a koozie. Before, that was at the $25 level. So you're getting an extra free t-shirt for that $10 per month. And at $25 per month, you get three free t-shirts, a poster, and a beer koozie. Plus, you get all the other outstanding stuff at the $25 per month level, our monthly Lions of Liberty $25 elite member level uh, conference call that we have where you guys can, can chime in and really influence the show, influence the direction of the show. Give us feedback, criticism. It's all fair game. Shoot the shit. Whatever you want to do, they're fun calls. We're closing in on the end of 2017. It's been a fantastic year, phenomenal year here at Lions of Liberty. And we've seen a lot of growth. We've had a lot of people join the Pride. And we are so appreciative of that. And we've been able to use that money that has so graciously been given to us to help to grow this show. We've been, used to, we've been able to use it to upgrade our equipment, our microphones, our uh, mixers, uh, things of that nature. But also, recently, we've started to use that money to advertise on other libertarian shows. And that will continue. Um, I don't know if it's going to continue immediately in the new year. Probably uh, after a few months, we'll have to build back up our war chest. But this is what your money goes toward. Your money goes to spreading the message of liberty directly. Your money's not going into our pocket. Your money is going into growing this podcast growing the audience of this podcast, growing the reach of this podcast. So I just want you guys to remember that we appreciate all the supporters we have. We are so thankful for each and every one of you. Colin Krieger being one of those, of course, member of the Lions of Liberty Pride. But we want more. I mean, we have like 54 members as of recording time here in our Lions Pride. You know, I'd like to uh, let's double that as quickly as we can. Let's get let's get 108 members in the Pride and, and really tune things up and really get this thing moving forward and growing like a wildfire baby so that's all i got for the show today guys thank you so much for listening merry christmas to all of you guys hope you all have a safe and uh happy new year as well this is john odermatt signing off always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning